You're listening to Rocky Mountain Cryptids. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to season two of Rocky Mountain Cryptids. We're your hosts, Elizabeth and Lisa. And today, with the new year, we're going to bring Brian. Yes, we have the lovely Brian joining us. And he's going to be a permanent host on this podcast now. So we look forward to having you now as part of our pod squad, cryptid fam. (laughs) Now that you're here, you're not allowed to leave. (laughs) Stuck with us forever. And for those of you who don't know, um, Brian is actually Lisa's husband. <laughs> so another reason he can't leave us. <laughs> yeah, he should not. I'm trapped, help me. So yeah, we've been uh, kind of gone for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we had a nice little <laughs> little break. Yeah, I think we both needed it. And we took some time to really rethink what we want out of this podcast and also how we can make it more enjoyable for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, so... Buckle down and get ready for season two of Rocky Mountain <laughs> Cryptids. Um, we're going to start off, actually, kind of after our first episode was the Wendigo, which happened in February 14th. And as you guys can see, today is February 14th. So happy Valentine's Day to all you lovers out there. <laughs> There's a little bit more of a cold, icy heart like a Wendigo again for you. Um, this time we're going to look into something a little different, though. Um, I actually was going to try to do more Wendigo stories, but it's pretty hard to come across and we've covered quite a bit. Um, you can learn about them on the first episode. We've done, what was it, Swift Runner and the Fort Kent Massacre. And I touched a little bit on Manitoba Wendigos, which was great, but there wasn't much to find, guys. So if you have any stories, please let us know and we'd love to hear them and post on them on their website. So we're also really interested in seeing the new Antlers movie and maybe giving you guys a review. So make sure to tell us if you're interested in that kind of content. And if you'd like to see more movie cryptid reviews, because we love to watch them. Oh, yes. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Of yeah, the terrible. Movies. We probably should create our own cryptid movie at one point. So a lot of people get confused with Wendigos and Skinwalkers. And they are definitely two different things from two different cultures of Indigenous people um so i know elizabeth's going to touch up on skinwalkers since we don't have much to say on the wendigo itself anymore so yeah we're going to talk a bit about skinwalkers and some crawlers as well as what are they called (laughs) the other deer no not deer the not deer it's such a hard name (laughs) we want to talk about the not deer and then also deer women (laughs) or deer woman i was i kind of like thought of that because the wendigo you um can sometimes be or it can sometimes be portrayed with antlers and such and or deer like so I was kind of like hmm I'm thinking about this why not why why this could be something too you know I don't I don't know so (laughs) we'll have to dive in so within the Navajo culture a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. They can also be referred to as, quote, witches of the Southwest, end quote. The Navajo are the second most populous of all the Native American peoples living within the United States, with around 300,000 individuals in the early 21st century. Majority actually live in the modern states of New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah. For those of you who didn't know a lot of the background, 
So the Navajo people speak an Apachean language, which is classified within the Athabascan language family. At some point in their prehistory, the Navajo and Apache migrated to the southwest from what we now call Canada, where most other Athabascan-speaking peoples live. Um, Although the exact timing of the relocation is unknown, it is thought to have been between um, 1,100 and 1,500 common era. These early Navajo were mobile hunters and gatherers. After moving to the southwest, however, they adopted many of the practices of the sedentary farming Pueblo people near whom they settled. So, The Navajo believe that there are places where the powers of both good and evil are present and that those powers can be harnessed for either. Medicine men utilize these powers to heal and aid members of their communities, while those who practice Navajo witchcraft seek to direct the spiritual forces to cause harm or misfortune to others. This type of Navajo witchcraft is known as the, quote, witchery way, end quote which uses human corpses in various ways, such as tools from the bones and concoctions that are used to curse, harm, or kill intended victims. Which is interesting because it kind of reminded me if either of you have looked into voodoo or voodoo oh, yeah. culture, it, it's it's kind of similar with specific like human like items that have that like physical connection to like the spiritual person. Interesting. The Navajo are a part of a larger culture area that also includes the Pueblo people, Apache, Hopi, and Ute, and other groups that also have their own versions of the skinwalker legend, story, or myth, with each including a malevolent witch capable of transforming itself into an animal. It's fascinating the similar cultural perspectives of the skinwalker And while I was researching, I kind of came to wonder how many stories have been lost over time, especially oral storytelling. Oh, probably. It kind of hurts my heart (laughs) because we have all this, like, honestly, like Western technology and like Western information. At least that's the perspective we're coming from. And so it's really sad because I would love to hear some actual Indigenous perspectives, especially on a lot of these um, stories we've been discussing. Even like the Wendigo, I'd love to hear because we are um, coming from an outside perspective. So we we don't have those cultural connotations. So it it's really interesting to look into different cultures and realize how little you do know about like all of the different interconnected parts of that culture. It's sad because like with indigenous cultures, you know, white man's trying to like wipe it mm-hmm. out. Government's trying to wipe it away. Like, Well, yeah, yeah. We look at the 60s scoop and basically how it, it literally like people are always like Canadians are amazing. But um, Canada is terrible as a country. Like it has a lot to do when it comes to reconciliation. And also um, I would say putting the power back in to like first people's voices. There's a lot of damage that has been done and is nowhere close to being undone. So it'd be nice for the government to find a way to make that happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, especially in, it's 2022. Like, it's time for change. Okay, so getting back into it, some of these witches evolved from helping others with good intentions to actually using their powers for evil and personal gain. Though they can be either male or female, or both, they are often male. They walk freely among the tribe during the day and secretly transform under the cover of night. 
in order to become a skinwalker, they must be initiated by a secret society that requires the evilest of deeds, the killing of a close family member, most often a sibling. Mm. Uh, That is definitely a terrible price. (laughs) I could never do that. After this task has been completed, the individual then acquires supernatural powers, which gives them the ability to shapeshift into animals. Because of this, the Navajo consider it taboo for its members to wear the pelt of any predatory animal. However, sheepskin leather and buckskin are acceptable. The skinwalkers are also able to take possession of the bodies of human victims if a person locks eyes with them, which is really interesting. Especially because I, I'd say most cultures revere the eyes as as cheesy as it is, windows to the soul. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. After taking control, the witch can make its victims do and say things they wouldn't otherwise. Once they were shapeshift, one way that others could tell that they were not a real animal is that their eyes are very different than those of the animal. Instead, their eyes are very human, and when lights are shined on them, they turn bright red. Which is interesting, because we hear that all the time in cryptid encounter stories, like with Dogman, with certain Sasquatch, like, we hear these, like, red eyes. (laughs) Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how did I forget that gem? (laughs) Alternatively, when they are in human form, their eyes look more like animals which is kind of interesting. So maybe if someone has animal eyes in your life, maybe, well, no, sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) The evil society of the witches gather in dark caves or secluded places for several purposes. Firstly, to initiate new members, plot their activities, harm people from a distance with black magic, and perform dark ceremonial rites. These ceremonies are similar to other tribal affairs, including dancing, feasts, rituals, and sand painting, but were, quote, corrupted, end quote, with dark connotations. Hmm. The evildoers are also said to engage in necrophilia, cannibalism, incest, and even grave robberies. During these gatherings, the skinwalkers shapeshift into their animal forms or go about naked, wearing only beaded jewelry and ceremonial paint. The leader of the skinwalkers is usually an old man who is very powerful and and a long-lived skinwalker. So interesting. So like, it's like its own culture within a culture, Mm. (laughs) like a dark, like version. (laughs) Right. Kind of like, uh, I guess there was like the devil worship things, right? So it's kind of like that evil worship or something like that yeah yeah it kind of reminds me with like christianity or how there's that flip and then there's satanism right so it's kind of interesting the different choices that people can make in the same culture and be viewed in very different ways those who have talked of their encounters with these evil beings describe a number of ways to know if a skinwalker is near they make sounds around homes such as Knocking on windows, banging on walls, hmm. and scraping noises on the roof. <laughs> that seems similar to a lot of other encounters, like Dogman. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking about when I was looking at you like that. Yeah, he's just like, like wide, mouth wide open, like... Some people do think that, it's that Dogman can be skinwalkers. Absolutely. It's interesting, it especially like with the amount of like American ones. 
And like, I don't know, like maybe there's a revenge part of it. Like, yeah. like on Western culture. Cause like, mm, I know, yeah. like <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> More often they appear in front of vehicles in hopes of causing a serious accident. Oh my God. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I was like, this actually sounds a lot like dog man. It went, because I feel like a lot of them run past cars. A lot are car instances. Yeah. <laughs> Which like freaks me out. Where a guy was like driving down the road or whatever, and the dogman was running and keeping up to the car and like trying okay. to open his door. That handle. scares me. I feel so safe in my car. I've lost my theater tunes. I feel like nothing, <laughs> nothing can hurt me in Hamilton the world. Yeah, I'm jamming to <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda. Nothing can hurt me. And then something opens my door while I'm going 60. <laughs> I'd cry. <laughs> I'd accept death. <laughs> you win at that point, honestly. <laughs> It is said that in addition to being able to shapeshift, the skinwalker is also able to control the creatures of the night, such as wolves and owls, and to make them do its bidding. Some are able to call up the spirits of the dead and reanimate the corpses to attack their enemies, which is the, I'm sorry, even though there's, that is pretty cool. It's so fun, though. Like, you know, walk through a graveyard, like, army, like, (laughs) instant army. Its supernatural powers are considered to be uncanny, as they are said to run faster than a car and have the ability to jump high cliffs. Hmm. They are extremely fast, agile, impossible to catch, and leave tracks that are larger than those of any animal. When they have been seen, they have been described as not quite human and not fully animal. They are usually naked, but some have reported seeing the creature wearing tattered shirts or jeans, which also sounds like a werewolf. Like, it sounds like someone turning back into human and then back into an animal. The skinwalker kills out of greed, anger, envy, spite, or even revenge. It also robs graves for personal wealth and to collect much-needed ingredients for use in black magic. These witches live on the lives of their victims, and they must continually kill or perish themselves. Which is kind of interesting, because that reminds me of the Wendigo. (laughs) Eat or die. (laughs) That insatiable hunger. And I think that's where maybe people are, like, relating the two somehow. Yeah, especially in cultural traditions, especially for kids. Be a good person. (laughs) Don't be bad. (laughs) Skinwalkers and other witches have long been blamed for all manner of unexpected struggles and tragedy through the years, including sickness, drought, poor crops, and sudden deaths. Even smaller or individual problems, such as windstorms during dances, the death of livestock, and reversal of fortune were often believed to be the work of a witch. This was most apparent with the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878, which initially evolved from a cultural response to so many people moving across and onto their lands. After a series of wars with the U.S. Army, the Navajo were expelled from their land and forced to march to the Bosque Redondo, which is considered Fort Summer in what is now New Mexico. Um, And this is also referred to as the Long Walk of the Navajo back in 1864, which is incredibly awful because if you think about it, like it's people like this is their land, like uh, the people who lived and respected the land for years just 
kicked off of it. Like, if I was a skinwalker, I would haunt these people. <laughs> like, run in front of their cars. <laughs> Honestly, I would want revenge. Like, so it's kind of interesting to consider, like, maybe some of the malevolent forces in the world were created by humans. And because of humans, like, mm-hmm. there the people suffered from bad water, failed crops, illness, and death, reducing their numbers dramatically. After four years, the government finally admitted they had made a mistake and the Navajo were allowed to return to their homeland in the Four Corners area. Thank you. Also, like, thanks for finally, we made a mistake. We're we're terrible. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, come on. Like, oh, that's just disgusting. During these years, many of the tribe's members were said to have turned to shape-shifting to escape the terrible conditions. In the meantime, the rest of the tribe were convinced that their gods had deserted them. Once the people had returned to their homeland, their conditions improved, but the dreaded skinwalkers, for whom they blamed for their years on the bleak reservation, were still among them. Accusations of witchcraft and the hunting of the skinwalkers began. When someone found a collection of witch artifacts wrapped in a copy of the Treaty of 1868, this is what led to the Navajo Witch Purge, in which 40 Navajo suspected witches were killed in order to restore harmony and balance for the tribe. Today, most of the tales of of these sightings of the witches do not include death or injury, but rather are more trickster-like. Numerous people have told stories of swift animals running alongside their vehicles, matching their speed. After a short period, however, they run off into the wilderness, not causing them to crash their cars. (laughs) Along the way, these animals sometimes turn into a man who sometimes bangs on the hood. That would be terrifying. (laughs) If, like, a wolf turned into a guy who started banging on my car. He can have the car. (laughs) You've earned it. (laughs) Another story tells of a man who was making repairs on an old ranch home when he began to hear loud laughter coming from the nearby sheep pens. And it wasn't the sheep. (laughs) (laughs) The sheep are just laughing. (laughs) This guy's an idiot. (laughs) Aren't creepy though. Pupils. Yeah, I've honestly, I've always kind of thought that like animals with square pupils were really kind of creepy, like unsettling. But like, I never wanted to offend people who love goats. But I always <laughs> their little eyes. Like, what about horses? Do they have square pupils? Yeah. Weird. But I've you never been creeped dark. out by them. Like horses have never creeped me out, but goats, man, they just stare into you with those little square pupils. <laughs> I'm like, you're very cute, but you're kind of weird. Like you're making me uncomfortable. She, she, yeah. yeah, certain sheep I can't. Yeah, I love horses. <laughs> Thinking he was alone, he went to investigate and found all of the sheep but one huddled in one corner of the pen. However, there was a lone ram separated from the group that was standing upright and laughing in a very human manner. <laughs> <laughs> After the man locks eyes with the ram, he sees that his eyes are not that of an animal, but are very human-like. The animal then casually walks away on all four legs. (laughs) So he's standing just chilling and then (laughs) laughing and then walks away, crawls away. 
Some say they have seen them running through the night, sometimes turning into a fiery ball, leaving streaks of color behind them. I I feel like we heard the same thing about the Wendigo, that sometimes they can be fire. Yeah, Yeah. like imagined like that. So it's kind of interesting. (laughs) Like I'm remembering a lot from like when we recorded our Wendigo episode a year ago. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> I was like, this is so similar. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're a little less scared. <laughs> Others have seen angry looking humanoid figures looking down on them from the cliffs, mountains, and mesas. In the 1980s, one of the most notable events occurred when a family was driving through the Navajo Reservation. As they slowed to make a sharp curve, something jumped from in the ditch. It was described as black, hairy, and wore a shirt and pants. A few days after the event, at their home in Flagstaff, Arizona, the family was awakened to the sounds of loud drumming and chanting. Outside their home were three dark forms of men outside their fence. However, these shadowy creatures were seemingly unable to climb the fence and soon left. Interesting. Unable to climb it or didn't want to enter someone's yard. Interesting. I don't mm. think they can enter property, can they, without being welcomed in? This is it's something that's present in a lot of supernatural things, though. Like having to be invited. Yeah, the permission. Yeah. And then once they're in. These events have occurred in the Four Corners area of southwest Colorado, southeast Utah, northeast Arizona, and northwest New Mexico. In the 1990s, a ranch in northeast Utah, far away from the Navajo Reservation, became the partial focus of the phenomenon of skinwalkers. Most of you probably know this, but called the Sherman Ranch or the Skinwalker Ranch and the UFO Ranch, the place has a long history of UFOs, aliens, cattle mutilations, and crop circles. Located near the Uti Reservation, these people have long thought that the Navajo put a curse on their tribe in retribution for many perceived transgressions, and since then, the skinwalkers have plagued the Uti people. Within many Navajo belief systems, witchcraft represents the antithesis of Navajo cultural values and is not tolerated. They work to avoid it, prevent it, and cure it in their daily behaviors. However, when it does exist, their laws have always said that when a person becomes a witch, they have forfeited their humanity and their right to exist, so they should be killed. However, skinwalkers are notoriously hard to kill and attempts are usually unsuccessful. Trying to kill one will often result in the witch seeking revenge on the person. Successful killing generally requires the assistance of a powerful shaman who knows spells and rituals that can turn the skinwalker's evil back upon itself. Another alternative is to shoot the creature with bullets that have been dipped in white ash. However, the shot must hit the witch in the neck or the head or it will not work. This sounds like uh, silver bullets. That's most of the stuff I have on the Navajo legend of the skinwalkers. It's incredibly similar in certain aspects to the Wendigo story we also discussed. So that's where people are kind of mixing up Wendigo Mm -hmm. and skinwalkers. And they're two different indigenous cultures, so... 
a lot of similarities though. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about crawlers. Um, now these creatures also have a relationship to uh, Wendigo, but they look more like in appearance to Wendigo, like the humanoid Wendigo versions. Um, so they're also known as Ashmen and Palemen. They're humanoid cryptids known for their distinctive pale, hairless, ashen skin and emaciated appearance. They average five to eight feet in height upright, but are typically seen crawling on all fours in a hunched position, giving them the name Crawler. Their faces are reported to have sunken or black eyes, many sharp teeth, or in some cases, no mouth and no lips or noses. There have been reports of them in the northern parts of North America and Australia. Crawlers inhibit small enclosed spaces like caves. They're primarily nocturnal, but some have reported sightings during the day. They seem to consume animals of small to medium size, from mice to fawns, though they typically don't attack humans. Despite their appearance, they're unnaturally strong. And uh, just, I'm looking at a picture of a crawler here, and it reminds me very much of the Wendigos in uh, Until Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Almost like a zombie-like, creepy, ghoulish. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Or like if you watched... um... What's that movie? The Descent. The Descent. So we talked about it in our first episode. Yeah. I hadn't watched it. No. (laughs) You have seen it? Yeah. I've seen The Descent. And yeah, I, yeah, that definitely looks like a crawler. Are you terrified to go spelunking now? (laughs) I'm so You ruined it for me. Oh my goodness. I'm terrified of caves now. I'm like, I'm going to get eaten. Well, you were in a cave. I took you to that cave. Oh, I liked that cave. It was shallow though. And like, you could still see the sunlight. (laughs) There was a way out. Is that the same cave you stole the bat research? (laughs) I think she has. (laughs) That is, yeah, I didn't steal it. I just thought it was a geocache. Okay. (laughs) An innocent mistake, though, really. You want to to that that cave? You just got to get up there. Wouldn't that be cool if there was a geocache in there, though? It'd be the coolest place to have one. There's there's geocaches on top of mountains and stuff where you're like, yeah, like Holosphere Mountain has a geocache. Bright pink one of those, but it's the same kind of box. Yeah, that's so much fun. You're like, they should never have used that for the bat research. That's a geocache. (laughs) (laughs) The poor, poor, like, bat researcher is like doing his job well. Well, if if they were the ones that like shook Jordan off of the rope, (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness, I forgot about that. Yeah, oh. They yeah, were terrible hikers. Yeah. They were mean and they shook our friend off. Yeah, I know if they were hikers, then yeah, they might have been just stupid scientists. <laughs> <laughs> adventuring in the wild. So I hope I'm glad I wrecked them. <laughs> that was them. If not, I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I screamed at them when they knocked her off. I think, yeah, I think I, I saw that. was either bat research. <laughs> I, I went off. I was awful, yeah. Poor George. So shout out to Jordan. Yeah, he goes on the one. Goes on one hike. Start for life. Poor Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Jordan. Promise that most of the hikes are good. Actually, every one of my friends has said every hike they've been on, there's been something. (laughs) (laughs) She died. (laughs) The second time. No, so yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. 
I'm a lot less scared of going hiking though because I've already had one of the worst things happen just falling down a cliffy face like head over like just feeling like the rocks scratch my skin as I slide I'm like that is the yeah I was like you know what yeah I was like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> you face your worst fear. <laughs> Don't break your late ankles. <laughs> Hiking can be dangerous. Just even the trails, right? Yeah. When we went to, uh, what was that one where I almost fell off the edge? I don't oh know. God. We had to go down a, what was a logging road, turn off into this like tiny little bush. It was in the middle of nowhere in Hinton. I know that. I don't know if it's called Kruger, Cougar Creek or something like that, but uh, we went out there and there's this one part where like it's just sheer cliff and like this much of a path and it's on a slope like sideways under the ankle. And I'm like, dear God, it's like he tripped and fell, like he's going down. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, how do you get someone back out? Like, like a can't, rope? It's so remote. Yeah, yeah. It's so remote. And there's like so many cougars out there, obviously, Cougar Creek or whatever it was called. Yeah, gotta watch out for the older ladies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Nothing more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And then you're thinking of that, and then I... He fell, and then thankfully he, he threw himself upwards. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. You had the survival instinct. <laughs> Tripping on the roots. Yeah, stuff. oh my god. But that, that trail was so overgrown that, like, you'd have to, like, bushwhack halfway through. Yeah. It was crazy. It was pretty. Oh, well. Nature yeah. takes back. Thankfully, we didn't see any crawlers. That we know of. Oh, yeah. oh yeah yeah most sightings okay well we weren't at night but most sightings are at night in open areas particularly forests or the sides of roads or during the day in enclosed spaces like sewer systems okay pennywise (laughs) (laughs) on the rare occasions that they do attack people the wounds are never fatal and they won't give chase considering their normal prey humans are likely too big to be worth attacking they're known to make a piercing screech when approached. Because of their nocturnal nature, crawlers can be scared <laughs> off by bright lights. Gunshots are also usually enough to scare them away. So you need to carry a gun with you, Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, okay, I really do want, like, an acreage in the future. So I was like, I gotta have a gun to protect my yeah. dogs. Like, that's enough. Not even myself. Like, mm-hmm. I, my, I imagine, like, a larger creature comes, like, I don't know. Like, any, like, even well, coyotes. Even if bigger coyotes. Got hurt, you want the yeah. suffering, you probably- like, but yeah, mostly coyotes. Like you definitely, yeah, I was or like, cougar, I don't know. Shoot off the also, yeah, I, I feel like, like probably in a safe, but like I feel like it's if if you live out of town, I feel like you almost have to have some, a means of defending yourself, right. especially if you ever get robbed. Like, <laughs> get off my lawn! Like, I was like, I'm forget this is my life. oh, or like get away from. Honestly, it'd probably just be get away from my wiener dogs, <laughs> to, like a bear or something. <laughs> releases there's like a hundred <laughs> that is the dream i'm not gonna lie i want like my own ranch where i just breed wiener dogs and bring happiness to people <laughs> See, there go. Mm. so <laughs> that's that's kind of like it for the general description but i do have an encounter here on on crawlers specifically um so this encounter is the pale crawler, a large gray crawling humanoid in Effingham, Illinois. So this was uh, on a country road near Effingham, Illinois uh, in 2010, and it was submitted by Jade. 
In 2010, me and two friends decided we were going to check out some haunted stuff around in the county in Effingham, Illinois. We lived about 30 minutes away from there. This was a typical weekend night driving out to a cemetery to respectfully explore. We were told that Casbar Cemetery, deep in the woods surrounded by caves outside of Effingham, was a really good place. The night begins. We head to Effingham and stop for sodas at a gas station and then head to the country. It's about 1 to 2 a.m., so it's dark. I see something with yellow glowing eyes off the side of the country road just past the ditch in the headlights. Too short to be a deer, but too big to be a possum or raccoon. As we get closer, it gets clearer, and I realize what I'm looking at is skinny, hairless, and gray. Human, but definitely not human. (laughs) 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 Poor grandma. So you think Effingham County is just full of, like, elderly people that wander the streets at night? You know, sometimes (laughs) things happen. (laughs) It was just a naked person running. It could be. That could be a creeper. Creepers are crawling. Are crawling, yes. Yes. (laughs) Could be both. It's definitely creepy. (laughs) So... Human-like, but definitely not human. Crazy as hell looking thing. It was crouched down. Its arms were incredibly long and looked like it could have been seven feet tall or bigger standing. I can feel myself get cold and my heart race and my hair stand on the back of my neck. I kind of whisper to myself, what in the... And I heard my friend Harley in the backseat shout, what is that? Complete shock and terror set in and I can't make a sound. I'm just staring at it. By the time we are right in front of it, passing it, and it just watches us drive by, it slinks into the dark. Then we all just start screaming, literally freaking the hell out. I was convinced it was a demon for months, but still doubted myself even seeing it, thinking in my mind was playing tricks on me. We didn't even make it to Casbar that night. We went straight home. I couldn't sleep. Six months later, I'm at a different friend's house, and she gets a text from her cousin. It was the, the trail camera picture. I went cold again, the hair on my back of my neck, stood tall again i was seeing that thing again i knew we weren't crazy that there was something to this i knew for sure now that my mind wasn't playing tricks on me that night he said he caught it on his trail camera one town over he told us later that it wasn't actually his camera it was just him pranking us but i immediately recognized it i asked her to send me the picture and i sent it to harley he quickly replies that's the thing I found out that the picture was fake, but I still can't help but have my doubts. I researched the picture and demons to find some answers and found nothing. Fast forward to October 2012. I'm on Facebook and I come across a page called Weird Effingham, Illinois. So, of course, I start combing through the entire page. And I find reports of sightings around the cemetery of creatures with glowing eyes. Nothing as in-depth as what I saw, but still enough to tell me that we're not the only ones who have seen something like that out there. I researched demons and paranormal some more, but still nothing. In 2014, I'm scrolling through my Facebook news feed, and the trail camera picture pops up. One girl I know posted it on the wall of another girl I know, so I immediately comment my story on it. When I go up to the previous comments, I see one of the girls was talking about seeing one. She replied to my comment and told me that she'd seen it in in the country in Effingham, too, back in 2011. The guy we went to school with commented on the status as well and said that he had a friend that was super into the occult, and she said they're called ghouls. 
So I went right into researching ghouls. And what I found blows my freaking mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a very descriptive story. I was just looking up um, the weird <clears throat> effing kind of Illinois Facebook page. Yes. And they were like, nursing homes. They're pretty weird, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, they even just the picture. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Grandma! <laughs> So you think seven that feet those... tall though. <laughs> <laughs> one big lady <laughs> so Laura says they're cave dwellers like in uh, the descent nope <laughs> nope nope uh, <sighs> Laura says they're cave dwellers as I said previously the Caspar cemetery is surrounded by caves they feed on the freshly dead and normally stay close to cemeteries to be close to food They've been known to show themselves to humans when trying to get close to them to eat in times where fresh deceased bodies are scarce. I went to images of them and can only find illustrations, but they look exactly like what I saw that night. Everything I was reading was falling perfectly into place, lined up perfectly with my experience. I couldn't explain it away. Then last night I came across a Reddit post with a story so similar to mine with just as much detail. This is one of the most incredible things that has ever happened to me. I will always search for more answers. There's just a few additional comments on this. Um, so the area described by the witness is Ramsey Cemetery, also known as Casba or Casbar Cemetery. It is locally known as an area for ghost hunters and adventure seekers. And it's rumored to be haunted along with a few surrounding caves. The cemetery has been featured in a book called The Illinois Guide to Haunted Locations. We should go there. Yeah, I want to <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna go in these caves. Like, hell yeah, I love the U.S. for that because, like, there's so many caves you could explore. I'm going all alone. You know, this just sounds like the descent happening. Well, I want to go spelunking, but I just like because you never know with a cave. You don't know if there's like gas or anything like that. Yeah, dangerous. yeah, it's dangerous. Too. So, I mean, I just go in a little bit. There have been similar sightings of unusual crawling humanoids reported in the last few years. Some of these stories stem from fictional accounts from forums. However, there have been sightings of pale, elongated, crawling or crouching humanoid creatures that didn't, that, you know, had a more realistic story. Uh, the term ghoul was not introduced into the human language until 1786. Before this, it was mainly a creature of Arabic folklore and described as a creature that resides in graveyards and feasts on the remains of the dead. So the Arabian depiction of the creature is disturbing enough. Some state a ghoul is also a desert-dwelling, shape-shifting demon. So like a skinwalker or a wendigo. Hmm. <laughs> there's the connection, too. Um, it can assume the guise of an animal, especially a hyena. It lures unwary people into the desert wastes or abandoned places to slay and devour them. And the creature also preys on young children, drinks blood, steals coin, and eats the dead, and then takes the form of the person was recently eaten. Oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of it from like a movie standpoint or like um like a TV show standpoint. And I was like, how fun would that be? Like for like drama drama's sake to like you don't know like it might not be Lisa, it's someone else. Oh, that's so cool. I was like, oh, I'll have to write a story. That's fun. It's like, like the legend of goat man. Really? A goat, the eyes? Definitely. Oh, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to do a story for you guys. 
So some people have equated such creatures with the rake, a cryptid that may or may not have had its beginnings as a creepy pasta story. Several, several individuals have alleged encounters with strange humanoid creatures and used the name to describe what they saw. So that got me looking into the rake, which also is very similar in description. It is the name given to a supposed cryptid resembling a pale, bald, naked, and emaciated human. So very much the same. So the rake is a name given to a supposed cryptid resembling a pale, bald, naked, and emaciated human. Creature reportedly attacks humans and often causes its victims great psychological trauma. Several theories as to the first development of the rake point towards online discussion. However, allusions to a creature known as the rake can be found well before the internet. So maybe not a creepypasta. Oh. Reports of it are either in the woods or at one's bedside at night. Whether these two things are different cryptids is unclear. However, they possess the same appearance. So, uh, during the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked uh, brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact as most online written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primarily focused in rural New York State and once found in Idaho, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions rage from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. <laughs> While their published versions are no longer on record, the memories remain powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and the present day, spanning four continents. In almost all cases, the stories were identical. Uh, so here are those encounters across time here. Uh, there's a mariner's log in 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed, I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. And then a journal entry in 1880, translated from Spanish. I've experienced the greatest terror. I've experienced the greatest terror. I've experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me, his wet hand. I will not sleep. <laughs> I've had the same nightmare. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty terrifying. <laughs> uh, there was a suicide note in 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I've introduced to this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form. Once again I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. Found in the same wooden box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose, and one loose personal letter with no envelope. Dearest Linny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. And then from a witness in 2006. Three years ago, I just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. 
I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly, his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange sensation. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man, or a large hairless dog of some sort. <laughs> its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> for some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat unclear under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or probably closer to five, it just seemed like a while, just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway leading to their kids' rooms. I screamed and ran for the light switch, panning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, he is the rake. Wait, her daughter died? Sounds like it. Oh, no. How did the rake get into her house? How old is the daughter? (laughs) 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 I'm thinking if she spoke his name, she must have been older. It's like, I'm I'm picturing like a two-year-old, like, the rake. Yeah, my husband drove his car into a lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive, so that's... Oh my goodness. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were very helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, how did the rake get in your house? The second of all, like, if a rake or something is at the foot of your bed, how are you or your husband not attacking it? Like, Actually, the minute something yeah. was at the foot of my bed, Brian would go full-on karate on him. He don't care if he looks wounded or not. And I would probably bash his head. And like, <laughs> yeah. Nothing would survive in our house. Yeah, I, would, I, would react <laughs> I see that, though. Like, he wouldn't go into fetal position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially, like, in, in, to, like, a couple and you also have a child, like... Like, ghosts, maybe, but, like, cryptid break Especially if like, you're a parent it would be hard not to like go full mama bear and like like, rip his head off like get out of my house like yeah interesting do you think it has is like the psychological trauma Mm. aspect of the rake instead of just like the physical taking more of a vision of it maybe or like 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 a shadow man vision almost would be maybe Maybe more that way why is the daughter all bloody weird wonder hmm Mm. so maybe this is just like all like i guess i don't know hallucination or or trauma or stress or something and then if her husband was already really freaked out that just drove the car into the lake yeah i don't know interesting because like like her way of i'm not trying to discredit her no no it was like her way of saying like it's her way of her mind because her husband was like coping yeah, I feel like it's a way of coping when 
you're gonna create a rake that your husband wasn't bad that he like drove into the lake with his daughter and probably oh. killed you both and in her mind it could be like you know the rake did it not my yeah. husband right her, right you know? yeah because she sees her husband in a good light yeah. so i i don't know i mean it could be like something like that yeah we're just talking about like alternatives to the story yeah yeah for several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen a creature we now refer to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a very small collection of what we believed to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and was never mentioned again. Ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake, and that was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running at night. Every night for two weeks, I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough even to begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is I've heard it before, and now I believe it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason, the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. Thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but know that he's been in my room while I slept. I know and fear the one night I will wake up and see him staring at me. So, I mean, yeah, you never know if some of the stories are real yeah. or not. The rake seems to be kind of more of a... Creepy yeah, yeah, like the older accounts were very... Um, there weren't many, right? And they were short, so... But, you know, interesting that it's a similar description to Crawler's. There were some like debunking theories about uh, <laughs> about this is the best debunking. crawlers. One debunking was that they were sloths. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> this is because hey, hey when uh, you compare them, the body shape and movement is similar, and uh, they don't eat humans. They don't eat humans. Oh, so. Hairless, fast sloths. That's right. Like that's a crawler. That would be yeah. scary. Yeah. And then another one was a uh, lab subjects that got loose because they're found near government buildings. So maybe there's some merit to the people being these creatures. Okay, so we kind of all had creatures based off of kind of Wendigo of some sort, like kind of looking. In the Appalachian region, there has been sightings and stories of not deer. The not-deers characterize how it appears or behaves in contrast to a known animal, a deer. Not-deer described as looking as like a deer, 
but with there being something wrong with them, such as having the forward-facing eyes of a predator or eyes that are judged to be too close together, a neck that's too long, a head that's misshapen, or legs that are judged to be too short and move in unnatural ways. Now, I find this a little funny because I first heard of this creature on TikTok, and it's TikTok that made people more aware and brought out encounters people had, but just couldn't put a name to what they saw. So if you go on TikTok, hashtag not dear, you'll find a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag not dear. <laughs> when our first episode, we've talked to Jordan and he has an encounter of a Wendigo or a possibly deer man or not deer in a way. Like we'll, we'll talk about some encounters here. I sent him a few of these TikToks and going, hey, is this what you saw or something? Um, this encounter was in Hawkinson, Delaware in 1993. An account from, at the time, an eight-year-old witness who was staying with his grandparents at their home in the Woodland States. Quote, it was right there, like almost pressed against the window in profile. I stared in awe, and that is when it changed in one smooth movement. It reared up on its hind legs, and it was no longer a deer, but a man. (laughs) There were only two men in the area my grandfather and my dad and it was clearly neither not sure if that made it better or worse (laughs) grandfather was very built for his age dad had a gut (laughs) (laughs) this silhouette was clearly younger muscular but not in the like a brick way my grandfather was (laughs) (laughs) back with the grandfather Excuted strength and scared the hell out of me. <laughs> it stared to the side for a moment and then strode off with purpose. Looking back, I want to tell myself it was just the imagination of a half-awake child, but I remember the awe and the utter fear I felt when the, quote, deer changed, end quote. This other encounter is in Washita Mountains National Wildlife Refuge in Oklahoma from 2012. In this report, a man named Kyle was was out with his friend photographing the night when a number of wild animals, including both elk and bison, rushed past, giving off the impression that they were attempting to escape from something lurking in the nearby forest. A deathly silence descended across the landscape. Decidingly unsettled by this turn of events, the men packed up their gear and began to retreat to their vehicle when a sudden rustling in the long grass caused them to bring their rifles to bear. Reaching their vehicle... Kyle and his companion were about to drive off when a deer man emerged from the shadows and began to lurch towards them. By now terrified, the two men hit the accelerator and sped off as fast as they could manage. Commenting on the encounter, Kyle said, quote, we were scared shitless. (laughs) (laughs) That was the quote. (laughs) Things got even quieter. When we stayed there, well, there we heard one ear-piercing screech or scream, almost a hunting screech of some sort that made my hair stand on end and gave me goosebumps. Even worse. With that, we left the mountains completely. We felt as though we were not wanted there at night. The way the wildlife acted, the figure that we came across and the animals, and then the scream of which I can only find references to happens to be of the banshee. I cannot forget what that figure we saw as well as the scream. It was not human, but it was not of any wildlife I am familiar with out there, end quote. Now, here's a a good personal account story from Reddit, and it's from the user ampersand underscore dot C's. I lived in Waynesboro, Virginia for about five years, less than 10 miles 
to the BRP. And like, I didn't know any of this. So I had to look it up and that's the Blue Ridge Parkway because we're not from the US. <laughs> um, so from the Blue Ridge Parkway North entrance, Skyline Drive South entrance. I used to take bike rides along SD at the time and always kept a year long membership. Only in the day though, just to frame the story. One night I was having a particularly hard time settling in for bed. So I decided to start up the bike and ride up to the first overlook on Skyline. Only about a mile inside the park. It was about 11 p.m. when I got up there and pitch black. I killed the bike and got uncomfortable. I'm not a guy that gets spooked in the dark. Truthfully, I prefer the dark most situations. You can see people before they see you. You are practically invisible unless someone is looking for you. And I find the natural privacy comforting. Not up here, though. It was a thick, oppressive, dark, worse than anything I've ever experienced outside of a cave and worse than any moonless night on the Appalachian Trail. There's nothing up there besides wildlife, I reassured myself internally. I had my 44 mag revolver from when I lived slash hiked in the Pacific Northwest, bear country and all that jazz. Is that a handgun? A yeah, revolver. revolver. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Tucked into my CCW holster, so I knew it was definitely outmatched anything that could be up there, two-legged snakes included. Two-legged snakes. Crazy people. Oh. <laughs> so I sat in the dark, leaning against the bike for a while and looking at the few lights I could see in the valley below. I managed about 10 minutes before I physically felt the hair raise on the back of my neck. I only did 27 months in Iraq, but I remember that precise feeling. Someone is watching me. Something bad was coming. It was the same sensation I would get before IDF came in or the shooting started somewhere nearby. I'm no psychic or whatever, but it's a common thing among vets at any time under their belt. Ask them about it. You can feel hateful eyes on you. The overlook was a sheer drop or nearly so. So I wasn't concerned about anything popping up in that direction, but the mountainside and the thick untamed woods were behind me. I started thinking about meth head dudes creeping the Appalachian trails, bears and like that. The Appalachian trail is no stranger to random violence. Still feeling creeped out, I took up a seat on the waist-high stone wall that marked the overlook ledge facing the woods. Again, I can't empathize how dark it was, but Gris, you might say, why not turn on the bike and use the lights? It'll at least help when you can't see what's close. True, but my bike is loud, and the last thing I wanted was attention. Plus, the light would be just night blind to anything just out of view, and the noise would obscure any stealthy sounding creeping going on. So no thanks. I'll watch and listen for a bit. I sat in the dark for another 10 minutes or so, anxiety getting worse and worse. I heard a few things, but nothing out of the ordinary for a night in the woods. I decided to head on home since the feeling wasn't going away. Like I said, I had a big bore on me, so anything playing games would be in a power surprise if the game's not stupid. Hopping onto my Suzuki, I started it up and rode off towards the gate. Now, anyone who lives in the country and rides a bike knows that the wildlife is crazy active on roads that aren't traveled often at night. Now, anyone who lives in the country and rides a bike knows that wildlife is crazy active on roads and they aren't traveled often at night. Being nighttime and technically close, I had to ride around a gate to get in. There were no other vehicles on the road at all. I hadn't seen a single other person since leaving Waynesboro proper. The speed limit was 30 miles per hour, but I clipped along at a measly 15 miles per hour to keep an eye out for deer and wildlife. It wouldn't do me any good luck to mess myself up in a wreck, only to lay there at night until someone happens across me in the morning. Then I saw it. The term almost deer was real fitting, but not quite accurate. 
It was like a deer that someone who had never seen a deer drew, but but only after someone else described it to them. It stood on the left side of the road, the mountainside, and I saw the eyes long before my headlights showing it fully. It was big, easily the biggest deer I've ever seen. And the lack of any horns that time in the year suggested that it was a doe. The head was almost bovine in shape, but fixed in a deer's frame. The legs seemed too long in proportion to the body. Think manged wolf proportions. And the body was extremely bare chested. I've always been creeped out by malformed wildlife, and this was no exception. Unfortunately, I had to get it to move or risk passing it within a few feet of it. I was not traveling another 30 miles up the road in the other direction to leave through another gate in the middle of the night. And I wasn't getting close to it. Dangers of it spooking and running into the side of my cruiser aside, I didn't want to get near it at all. Stopping and putting my feet down about 30 feet away from it, I tried to frighten it away. I flashed my beams down and low and then back and high. Nothing. I revved the engine. Nothing. I honked the considerable horn. Nada. (laughs) Resting the bike on the kickstand, I left it idling and hopped off. I yelled at the thing and it didn't budge. So I started to the side of the road and grabbed something to toss near the deer thing, hoping to spook it away. As soon as I crossed into the other lane, it rose up on its hind legs. I froze, putting my hand on my gun. I wasn't about to get charged by an angry, confused, malformed doe. It took two jerky, unnatural steps towards the center of the lane on two legs and froze again, staring directly at me. It suddenly shook its head wildly like a dog with a toy, took another short step, then hopped several times until it disappeared into the darkness on the right side of the road. I stepped back onto the bike and mounted it. Kicked up the kickstand and turned the light towards the side of the road. On that side, there was a sheer drop of about 75, 80 degree compared to the roadway. And the thing's head was just peeking over the edge, still looking at me. (laughs) The draw was about 40 to 50 feet. So there's no way it was standing at the base of the mountainside. I cracked the throttle and beat the hell out of there. Road wildlife be damned. (laughs) I never went back onto the Skyline Drive at night alone. After that, one time was enough. The things we don't grok out here or things we just visit for a while, whatever it was, it wasn't from around these parts in Hilltop. It can go back to wherever it came from and stay there. Wow, creepy. So an explanation to the not deer sightings, it could be a deer with chronic wasting disease which we've probably seen some videos of lately. There's been a lot right now in the States and uh, which these figures exhibit drastic weight loss, wasting, Aww. stumbling, neurological symptoms, such as decreased interactions with other animals, listlessness, lowering of the head, blank facial expressions, and repetitive walking in circles or other set patterns. And I've seen some videos of like deer just trying to drown themselves. Wow. Aww. Because like, there's like, a, yeah, yeah. yeah could be an explanation for some of the not deer yeah. but also the whole standing on two legs and a lot of deer man stories right right weird yeah so it's interesting we talk about the not deer because there is also another legend of the deer woman so deer women um sometimes known as the deer lady is a spirit in certain Native American mythologies whose associations and qualities vary depending on situation and relationships. To women, children, and men who are respectful of women and children, she is associated with fertility and love. However, 
to those who have harmed women and children, she is vengeful and murderous and has been known to lure these men to their deaths. She appears as either a beautiful young woman with deer feet or just a deer. (laughs) (laughs) In Ojibwa tradition, she can be banished through the use of chanting as well as tobacco. Others claim that the spells she casts can be broken if one notices her cloven hooves. So guys, look down at people's feet. (laughs) (laughs) Other stories and traditions describe the sighting of deer women as a sign of personal transformation or as a warning. Deer woman is said to be fond of dancing and will sometimes join a communal dance unnoticed. Just jive right in there. (laughs) Leaving only when the drum beating ceases. She's kind of a party girl, but... (laughs) (laughs) the deer women show characteristics and traits of both sirens as well as succubi from other i guess myths and legends the siren which we have actually talked about before on our podcast are monstrous sea nymphs that lure men to their deaths with their song succubi for those of you who don't know are demons who take female form in order to have sexual intercourse with men during their sleep. Constant contact with a succubus can result in failing health or even death for the man affected. So it's interesting. So we have deer man, deer woman, crawlers, wendigo, skinwalkers. (laughs) There are so many different similar legends. That is pretty cool. (laughs) that's it about this episode i hope you enjoyed it and welcome to season two thank you for listening (laughs) and we'll see you next time you're listening to rocky mountain cryptids that was so good